Hello, Managing Madrid listeners. This is your host, Kian Sobani. In a moment, we're going to be joined by Matt Wiltsey and Gabe Lezra to talk about Real Madrid's win over Athletic Bilbao. Before we do that, a reminder, April 28th, history is being made. We're going to do our very first ever live Managing Madrid podcast show. It's going to be in San Francisco in the Bay Area. We're going to watch the Rayo Vallecano game with the Peña and then stay afterwards, record a post-game show, have drinks, do a Q&A session it's going to be so much fun. Um, stay tuned for that. There is a Facebook event page. If you go on Managing Madrid or the Patreon page, we have a link there. Go there. You can RSVP. You don't have to RSVP, but it gives us a better idea of numbers if you do. It'd be super helpful. And it's open to everybody. So you don't have to be a Pena member. You don't have to be a patron. If you listen to this podcast, you're a fan of the show, um, come out, bring your friends. And there's no cover. It's by donation only. So you can contribute if you want and you can contribute as much as you want. Or as little as you want. Just come up, come and hang out and uh, and see us make history. All right. Without further ado, this is the Managing Madrid Podcast with myself, Kian Sabani, Matt Wilsey, Gabe Lezra. Let's go. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Uh, wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. So he Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid Podcast. This is your host, Kian Sobani. We're recording this immediately after Karim Benzema puts a huge dent in Athletic Bilbao's European race. And uh, Real Madrid went 3-0 at the Bernabeu. And joining me to talk about this game um, right after the fact is Matt Wiltsey and Gabe Lester. Gabe and Matt, how are you guys doing? Hey, Kian. How you doing, buddy? Good, good. Matt, what's up, buddy? I'm doing well, Kian. Um, looking forward to talking about this match. I'm glad somebody's looking forward to it. I, it didn't seem like there was. <laughs> it didn't seem like there was much post game noise. Um, well, there like, was post game noise from the Bilbao fans who were pretty upset. But yeah, I mean, I think Real Madrid fans are a little checked out. They're very checked out. Well, they Bilbao had a lot riding on this game. Um, yeah, and I'm kind of surprised at how poor they were. Now, but maybe that's unfair. Maybe this was kind of like a. It kind of reminded me of a feel-good win under Zidane, like in years past. Not that Real Madrid were like otherworldly, but maybe the fact that Bilbao didn't look good and they had so much riding on this game and so much at stake is a testament that actually, hey, Real Madrid may have actually played good in this game. Um, Matt, I know you're doing the player ratings at some point today, and does what what stood out to you? So if we're looking at individual performances. I think we can we can. Pick out three players that maybe we, we really want to talk about. I think, obviously, Kareem Benzema with the hat trick. Um, I thought Marco Asensio had some moments in the first half and then really turned it on in the second half, got that first assist um, to Kareem Benzema. And then third player would probably be Jesus Vallejo, who got his first La Liga start of the whole season and looked pretty solid. He had one crucial, crucial intervention that um, eventually Madrid came came right back and scored immediately after that play. So um, I thought it was a solid, solid game from him, and he battled with Anaki all night. 
The Vallejo Iñaki battle was very interesting. I think we'll get into that even more. Um, anything that, that you, any observations from you, Gabe, in terms of just how this played out? Anything that caught your eye? I was especially impressed by Vallejo finally making mm. his comeback and, and really, you know, showing up in, in what was, you know, it's otherwise a relatively meaningless Real Madrid game. He gave me a reason to be interested and to watch and he was really good. And, you know, historically Madrid has really struggled against this Bill Bow side and Iñaki Williams in particular has been extremely good. And Vallejo really bullied him basically all night and really just, had him in his pocket. I thought it was an incredibly strong performance from him and showed some growth, I think, on, on in some of his aspects of his defensive game. I don't want to force everyone to jump into that discussion right now, though, but that was my main reason for watching. Well, let's jump into it, I think, because, I mean, as we all know, the, the remainder of this season is is kind of just to keep an eye on these things, right? Like, we, 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 can, we are allowed to talk less about results and talk more about the process at this point and talk about the development of the players and and see where everyone is. You know, like on one hand, I was very disappointed that Llorente and Sabaos didn't even make the match day squad. And, um, you know, I'm sweating. I'm more than sweating about Llorente's future at this point. But Vallejo was the one guy who hasn't yet played under Zidane under the, in terms of the players that were available. Uh, and all season, he's played just two minutes in La Liga, a uh, very brief cameo against Valladolid under Solari. And he, I think that was... Part of the reason why it was impressive to see him today was that he didn't miss a beat. Like often you well, see, there's no rust, right? There's no rust. I mean, we saw it with Llorente too in that game against Rome in the Champions League, where he out of nowhere Solari started him, and you'd expect some jitters. You'd expect like, oh god, this is he's a good player, but like maybe this situation might not be the best time to, for him to come in because then people are going to look at this and be like, wow, he's not good enough. But then he puts in a great performance. I thought Vallejo was kind of reminding me of that in the sense that. As you mentioned, Gabe, things that he's he looked like he's improved on because one of his biggest weaknesses at Frankfurt was just his ability to beat his man to a cross. And Iñaki, who is not a slow player by any means, and he's like insanely talented and in very good form right now, um, just couldn't shake Vallejo off, whether it was getting to a ball first uh, when Bilbao played that ball down the line to him or when a cross came into Iñaki, Vallejo just kind of outmuscled him and got to the ball first. Um, apart from one shaky back pass, in the eighth minute where Kaylor cleared it. I thought this was a great performance from Vallejo. Yeah, and I just to kind of build off both your points, I think Gabe and, and Keon, you both you both said it. I mean, Inaki's been one of the informed like this is no slouch. He's been one of the informed strikers yeah. in La Liga. And so uh, to come in completely cold and, and play the way he did is huge. And I think it was interesting because Zidane kind of alluded to it in his pre match press conference um, yesterday saying that Vejo is an interesting player and that he needs more minutes. And so there was kind of a hint that he might get the start today. And, uh, it, fortunately for us, I mean, this is the one thing seeing these kids play is the one thing we have to look forward to now. So let's get, I mean, without, with the running the risk of sounding very reactionary, I know, but I suppose it's not like we're not surprised in the sense we knew what Vallejo is capable of. We, there was a reason why he was one of the best defenders in the Bundesliga just two seasons ago. Um, the health stuff has really, really been awful. If we get this version of Vallejo, and just in terms of just he, he's healthy, he's competent, and also I thought his passing was good today. A couple, couple situations he was in a tight spot, a nice nice vertical pass to either Moritz or Kroos. Yeah. 
Um, we get this version of Vallejo, we go into the next season with Ramos, Varan, Militao, and Vallejo. And whatever happens to Nacho, if he's in the squad, great. If he's not, I mean, you still have those four who are there. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah, I mean, if Vallejo stays healthy, and right. right now that's a huge if, but assuming he does, then I don't see why we he wouldn't be able to kind of improve and, and actualize his potential, like the, the thing that we've seen from him forever, that he already was a very high-level center back before, and making some adjustments, I think that he could be absolutely top class. We've said it for years. Uh, and if he doesn't get injured, which, again, is essentially impossible to say, uh, but if he doesn't get injured, Madrid is looking extreme, extremely set at this position for, for years. But his injury history has me very nervous. Yes. Um, and it's... This, odds are that he will not have an injury-free season next year, but at least some progress would be nice to see in terms of the health department. Uh, I, I'd assume that... I don't know if you guys agree or not, but it seemed like the second half, when they came out at halftime... I, I, in the first half, I don't think either team attacked really well. They defended. They both defended okay, although Bilbao probably got away with a lot of stuff. To me, everything in the build-up was relatively good for Real Madrid. Maybe the bar is low, but when, I, I kind of got reminded of certain things from years past where the left side of Real Madrid is, on paper, is is, is really good. And, and we have fond memories of Marcelo and Kroos on that left side with Benzema going over to the left side. In this game, it was Asensio also. The build-up was actually quite good, and we saw a couple instances of Marcelo being press-resistant, although overall I don't think he had a great game, or, or really good for that matter. But, um, <laughs> but that final either pass or shot or cross was lacking. Um, Asensio got into positions for a cross and put a poor one in. Same with Marcelo. Marcelo had a couple really good shooting situations. Asensio had this one had a you know a couple of bad passes in transition, this one situation where he's opened his shoe at the top of the box, whereas usually he just lets that fly, but he didn't look confident. He kind of dribbled into defenders. And even Lucas Vasquez and Carvajal, both of whom were good defensively, and both, I checked at halftime, they had a combined 10 tackles. That left side, they locked, that right side, they locked it down, but they weren't really good offensively. Something changed in the second half, I think. Um, curious, Matt, did you... What did you think was the difference, ultimately? Well, yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, it, it feel like it's been just a reoccurring theme. The first half has just been really, really poor, and then we come out, of, come out of the gates in the second half and turn it up a bit. And that was the same story today. And uh, what to kind of put – I don't know how we could put our finger on just, like, what exactly it was that changed in the second half. I think – it really was, like you said, that final ball. I mean, the difference was 47th minute. Asensio puts a first-time cross in, pinpoint straight to Karim Benzema's head between two center backs, and um, that kind of opened up the floodgates and allowed the team, like, gave the team confidence. And right from there, they have that early goal. They're able to play, kind of relax, and find a rhythm. Uh, the whole first half, it was just impossible for either team to find a rhythm because it was so stop-start. The ref was... He was losing control of the match, calling tons of fouls, and it was just it was it was a brutal, brutal first half. What are you what is your I mean, there's a lot of chatter about how Asensio's better on the right, and I would tend to agree with that. 
Uh, although he, he on, in this particular game, I thought he actually would look better when he was on the left side than he was on the right side. Um, what do you, what do you, what do you make of that? And Gabe, because I know like you've always been, you've always been vocal about kind of Asensio's best position and where he should play. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like him on the right, but I think it's really the answer is that with with a player like Asensio, who kind of we're seeing as more of a confidence type guy and, and, and someone who needs to feel you know confident to be his best self, sort of. The the correct position is really gonna vary depending on where he's feeling good. And, you know, I I tend to feel like we've seen him produce really well on the right, but if he is feeling more like he wants you know better on the left, then it may be smart to just put him there or at least develop a system that allows him to kind of find the parts of the field that he's feeling and, and kind of play there and expect other people to kind of play off of him a little bit and, and do switches and stuff. And that, that was Zidane's and, and remains Zidane's system in, in some respects, a very fluid offense where people get to kind of run around and, and, and look for space and do a lot of switching, which is smart because it lets the other team, you know, prevents them from getting stuck in defensively. But uh, and that I think does suit Asensio, where he'll he'll kind of keep probing for a half maybe, and then finally find some find some space, feel good, and then then kind of kick it off and start playing really well. And um, I mean, I I I don't even think this was one of his best games, but he did look much better in that second half. And that that is just kind of following this pattern of of Zidane's, where over the last few years he has been able in second halves to kick the team into a higher gear and that I don't think that's one of the best traits that he has. I mean, it's one trait that you're in, that uh, Lopetegui and Solari didn't really have. And Zidane is reminding us why, like he is this famously strong man manager and, uh, and tactician. And he, uh, I think that's, we saw a little bit of that today. And Gabe, I think your, your point about Asensio being a, a confidence type player. I think we've really discovered that this year. I, I mean, at least for me, I didn't realize how um, I wouldn't say mentally fragile, but just like the, I mean, it's like most yeah. any player, but he needs that confidence. And even today you saw like the first half you saw he, when he didn't, a couple things didn't pull off. He, he kind of just faded out of the game a yeah. little bit. And then in the second half, he came out kind of reinvigorated, got that early assist. And he was so much better in the second yeah. half just because he had that confidence. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was I, I agree with you about just his, his uptick in the second half. It seemed like something he went to another gear and uh to the point where he was doing some roulettes and stuff. So I I also think like Bilbao really fell apart defensively in the second half was the other thing. And I don't I don't think that should take away from what Real Madrid did because obviously yeah. when you go to another gear, you're up a goal, you start bullying your opponent, they're gonna make mistakes. So it's not like you have no credit for that. Real Madrid should get credit for it. Uh, I see. You know, he started doing the roulettes and stuff, and he started to actually hit better crosses. And obviously, the one that found Benzema on the opening goal was his cross. The other, I mean, and obviously, like you could play him on the right, but also Vasquez started on the right. He's not normally left winger, although he did. Vasquez did play on the left or came off the bench, I think, and played on the left. And Zidane said after the game, which people are, were kind of laughed about, that I put Lucas Vasquez on the left to win the game. Uh, like, I'm, no one really was sure what that meant. And then Bale came on, and then Bale just stayed on the right. The other 
I think the other thing that I enjoyed about this game, particularly in the second half, was the distribution of. Varan probably low key had a, had one of the better games as well. Like he, he yeah. cleared away everything. I know, like we we talk about Vallejo mostly because we had our eye on him, uh, but Varan also quietly was was one of the better performances today, and his distribution was good. His defending was good. Just some long ball stats because I actually enjoyed how the team switched to play. And one of Real Madrid's best traits when they're at their peak is how they funnel everything to the left side and they switch it to an open Carvajal. Kroos, 11 of 11 accurate long balls today, 100%. Modric, 8 of 8. Varane, 10 of 11. I saw, I think when there was a nice fluidity fluidity of this game where there was good movement on the left and there was good switching and Bilbao were all over the place because of it. Yeah, I agree. I, I wanted to mention... Um, just for just circling all the way back to the beginning, uh, this is what I'd forgotten to mention. This was in my notes. Whenever we see Vallejo and talk about him, it's important to remember how young he still is, and to remember what Varan struggled with early in his career. And Varan also actually had a very injury speckled career for a, a number of years, and then only over the last couple seasons has he really turned it into a. Uh, turned into a, a kind of workhorse in the back for Madrid. And he was always a similar level of promising talent. Um, obviously nothing, I think, quite as bad as some of um, Vallejo's injuries, but still a lot of knacking muscular injuries for Farhan as well. And that he sort of grew out of that, it looks like. The only the only thing I'd say about that's true. I, Vallejo's is on are another level though. Like if you yeah, look if you look, go and look back at Varan's injury history and you compare it to Vallejo, Varan looks like Iron Man. It's it's the uh, what happening what's happening to Vallejo I think is almost unprecedented in terms of like the promise of a young defender that we've had I'm sure it's not unprecedented but I just can't remember anyone on this level even Varan is the only thing that worries me um, but I also look yeah, at Varan no, totally. and I'm like and I'm like well if he did it you know we have examples of Robin too where Robin left Real Madrid and just was and then and then peaked after that right. <laughs> Um, Matt, you were. Yeah, also... Baron had a great day. Uh, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead. <laughs> no worries. No worries. No, uh, well, I, just kind of talking about the distribution point. Um, I thought this was one of Tony Cruz's best games in a long time. I thought mm-hmm. he was um, really, really strong today. Helped create that first goal just by. It was a weird. That first goal was kind of weird. He's just. He didn't. Like, he was dribbling at the de- defense, but they just kept dropping off, dropping off, dropping off, and nobody. Um, stepped out and put any pressure on Cruz, and he just played an easy ball to uh, Asensio down the week. But it was kind of weird; like it just it seemed like everything was kind of slow motion on that first goal. Say say that last part again, Matt. About the first. It goal. just seemed, yeah, it just seemed like everything was kind of slow motion. Oh yeah, on that yeah, yeah. First goal, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, he seemed to, and uh, the the broadcast broadcast crew brought it up after the game when they were showing the highlights again that. It was almost like Kroos was walking up the pitch, and uh, and Bill Bauer just weren't challenging him, and it, was, it it seemed a bit casual. But you know, he he basically carried the ball up the pitch in slow motion is what happened. Yeah, when he's playing well, it, it tends to not look like he's exerting himself too much, and that's that's a trait that a lot of the best kind of central midfield creators have. Yeah. Um, I remember that vividly from from Chavi. Also, it was very similar to that. Um, but I, I, um, uh, I also wanted to say this is funny, um, Kian. When 
it's, I think it's fair to note that, that Atletic um, kind of collapsed in that second half. But I also thought to myself, like, this was a game where, I mean, and he's gotten a lot of shit in England, but you put Kepa on this team. I'm not sure Madrid scored three goals here. No. I mean, they're, I think I think Ederin was, He's a disaster. Was, was kind of a disaster. Yeah. And it does matter that they lost, you know, their their extremely high-end keeper to uh, to Chelsea in the summer and especially that third goal right where but like Kepa is also a great stop block, shot blocker and is very strong in the air and I think it could have been a different thing with Benzema anyways but I think that's one of the things that I really noticed in this game I hadn't I hadn't noticed it as obviously in other athletic matches Hedarin is I don't I, I I'm I do know that they have better keepers in their academy and younger goalkeepers on the bench. He also doesn't look very in shape to me is the other thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just he, yeah, what he did in the third goal was was comical almost. Um Yeah. Yeah. Which almost is almost that kind of leads us to we are 20 minutes in this podcast to talk about everyone except for Karim Benzema. Yeah. So that puts him at I think 21 goals. Is that is that right for the league? Yep, and 30 in all competitions now. 30 all comps. None of, have any of those been penalties? Three, I think, penalties. Three penalties. Second in the league now in scoring. I mean, I, I mentioned this after the last game, uh, um, that he's just, he's just, he's done his part this season. Like, he's done everything he can do, and he's missed chances, and that's fine. He, you know, but he also puts away, and, and also, like, his aerial ability um, has been impressive. The way he just kind of, the first one, it was just a nice off-ball run, but the second one, he just goes to the far post and bullies Uri, who was actually a good defender. Like, and and he just leapt over him and headed it in. And so everything about Benzema has, has been impressive. And he also linked up well, like you know, yeah. like in the first half when he, I think out of the the people on the left side who were kind of combined, he looked the sharpest of the three of him between him, Marcelo, and Asensio too off the ball. Yeah, I mean. He he looks really sharp. His finishing is on. Um, I so I I think that it's fair to point out though, as Ohm did um, during the match, that I the narrative that he's like that he was hampered in his goal scoring and and whatnot by Ronaldo actually doesn't hold up really under like close scrutiny. He's his um, non penalty ex- expected goals are actually down this season and what's made up for yeah. his his um overall kind of increase in scoring has simply been that he's finishing at a higher rate than he was previously not that he's creating more um, expected goals so yeah. actually like and and that's really important actually like when there were these points in this season where everyone was saying well how could Benzema not finish that but you know what Benzema is now finishing all of the shots that people would never have expected him to previously finish and it's it's imp- it's impressive well, that's think, sorry, Matt. Go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say that, and I, I think that, I mean, that's really what it is. He's just, he's got that mental edge now, simply because he's being clinical, because he is putting the ball in the back of the net. And as uh, Vinistroy always famously said, which Higuain always quotes, is like, once it's like a bottle of ketchup. Like once you get that first goal, they all come out, and so that's kind of what's happening with uh, Benzema. And just, I, I think believe so, that's an official Gabe, Gabe Lesra quote. Oh, it is okay. <laughs> I love that. If that's true, is it true? Like that owns that Ruben Nistelrooy said that too. Though. Yeah. That, like 
yeah. that's hilarious it's like yeah i don't know i must have like heard that back then and then repurposed it because i've been saying that forever <laughs> yeah yeah no i i mean i knew i thought you got that from rude that's why i thought i i know you always say that but i thought you got that from rude i probably um, did dude i probably did <laughs> um but just like uh, some good some good stats too to roll off about Benzema right now. I mean, of the you talked about his aerial ability. I mean, he scored two headers today. Of his thirty goals, eleven of them have been in the air. So over a third of them have been headers. Yeah, that's wild. Um, and then today, um, this was a stat from Mr. Chip. Kareem Benzema is the first Real Madrid player in the club's 117 years of history to score eight consecutive goals without any teammates scoring in between. He huh. scored Real Madrid's last eight goals. That's that's kind of, that's telling. It's it's telling of the season we've had that we've we just don't have anyone else reliable enough. Like even yeah. what we expected that. So we didn't. So maybe I'll speak for myself. I didn't expect any single player to run away with the Real Madrid scoring the season, apart from two that I thought were Benzema and Bale, and only only Benzema held up to it. But what I expected was. A collective uptick, like five here, seven here, ten here, twelve here, that didn't happen this season, um, and I think that's what's hurt us is that we haven't had someone else to fall back on in terms of scoring. Yeah, it's crucial, and and it's interesting because um, a lot of us had thought that it would be someone else that Benzema would basically uh, kind of stick to his. And he has, again, he's created basically the same expected goals. He's just been finishing more of them. But, you know, we all sort of expected one of the other people to step up. And the story of the season was that it wasn't the person that we expected, that it, right? It, that it was Vinicius who ended up being the uh, the person who kind of came in and uh, brought Madrid back a little bit. But um, it's important to have someone who's able to finish the low expected goal shots. And that's one of the things that Ronaldo brought to this team and that I guess it's good that Benzema's brought some of that too. I think the other uh, the other point about um, that you made gave in terms of just kind of I guess debunking the the idea that Ronaldo held Benzema back. You look at there are plenty of examples last season that Benzema was just missing empty nets and easy chances. That had I mean. How is that Ronaldo holding Benzema back if Benzema's not scoring? Unless you want to really, you really want to clutch at straws and be like, well, Ronaldo maybe psychologically had a power on Benzema that that vexed him into missing those chances, which obviously isn't true. Um, and you look at Benzema's goals this season. A lot of them, the degree of difficulty, it's not they're not easy goals to score, um, which to me is a sign of a good a good striker. If you're overperforming your xG then that means you're just good. And, like, on the flip side, I don't think, like, if you look at the XG chart, his goals today weren't terribly difficult. But his off-ball runs were were impressive. And I think and I think that is another thing to bring up. It's like, you can't say that Ronaldo held this guy back. You, you But you could say that... I don't even know if he's overperforming this season. I think this is what Benzema's supposed to be. Um, but I think you have to make a case that Benzema over underperformed his goal scoring in years past especially last season he may not have underperformed his overall play but his goal scoring he he underperformed and this season it seems like this is the what this is what he should be doing yeah I agree. yeah I agree and I think this is what we I don't think this 
Kareem Benzema's form derails the need for bringing in another striker. Like, obviously, we've been heavily linked with Jovic. Like, I don't think that um, this means, oh, no, we don't need a, another striker anymore. I mean, we still... It's uh, it's apparent. We just talked about it. It's apparent that we need goals from other places, and we need to be... In the beginning of the season, I mean, last season, even with Ronaldo and Benzema, they were both just so, so far behind their... Uh, ex- expected goals tally that it killed us and that's why we ended up 17 points behind Barcelona and so we need to be able to hit the season running and uh, we need to be able to be scoring goals right from the start of the season not till April May when potentially we could be out of it um, I I mean equally fascinating is just to talk about what comes next and I know no matter how many podcasts we talk about how many mailbags it's <laughs> It seems like every week there's or every week, day there's something new to talk about, and maybe but we'll probably bring it forward to a non a non uh, game podcast. But do you guys have anything to else you want to talk about in terms of this game before we move on to the questions? I just want to refer like just like reinforce the like the impression that I had from that very beginning of the show how impressed I was that Madrid's defense managed to basically shut down uh, Inyaki Williams, who has been absolutely on fire. I thought it was a really good performance from Vallejo and very impressive. Yeah. Bilbao didn't create much, right? They had Inyaki had a chance late when the game was pretty much over. Adoris had a had a header when he came on the eightieth minute. Other than that, this was it was a lockdown job defensively. Yeah. 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 Very, very <laughs> impressive. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm uh, that's all I wanted to to say because that was like my main takeaway from this game for sure um questions patreon.com slash managing madrid is where you go to pledge get guaranteed responses to your questions question from frederick rantakiro he says i have nothing against the man but i'm just so effing tired of seeing casemiro in the lineup almost every damn game I think he has a role to play in the squad, but I don't think he should have this untouchable status and being the first name in the lineup every time. He has progressed remarkably since his first season here, and he has been a vital part of our success these last seasons. But I don't think we should build our whole defensive scheme around him anymore, especially since you can't use him in the build-up play at all. Previously under Zidane, we have seen Casemiro being pushed up to the number 10 spot and being completely useless during build-up. And it was weird to see Lopetegui trying to implement a possession-based style with Casemiro in the lineup, not contributing in the build-up at all, just standing there like a cone. Sometimes when Cruz was pressed, he could just play a simple pass to Casemiro, but instead he tried a much harder long ball over Casemiro to try to find someone on the right wing, which was easily intercepted. Is Casemiro's defensive contribution so great that it's worth having one man less in the build-up? Forward-thinking managers even want their goalkeepers to help them build up and handling a high press. Zidane trusting Casemiro has undeniably brought us a lot of success. But seeing our game regress these last seasons and other teams without a pure destroyer evolve so much, I doubt it's the way for the future modern game. Sorry for the long rant and the lineups and build-ups. <clears throat> no, don't be sorry. I I feel yeah, like don't, don't be sorry. we were... A couple of the managing manager staff were actually talking about this... Uh, and on Twitter a couple of days ago. And it almost is a kind of like this, not to toot our own horn, but we're kind of like a bit vindicated about our assessment of Casemiro a couple of years ago, um, where people just want... Pre- pre- preface it also by saying that Casemiro, in terms of his ball-winning capabilities, is among the best in Europe. Like no one... 
very few can do what he does in transition, and that is just just be there and stop attacks. And I think to answer the question, Frederick, is the way Real Madrid play, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily a pressing team or a counter-pressing team or even a possession-based team for that matter. Uh, it's one that just needs to be alert on the counter-attack, which I think is a, is a reason that he's Casemiro was there. Uh, yeah. Which becomes problematic as we've discussed. That That's actually a good point. I almost forgot about that situation which Frederick brought up that We've seen also in, in years past where Real Madrid would just would avoid passing him the ball because they knew opponents, the scouting report was just press him and swarm him as soon as he gets it. And that's where the problem essentially comes in with him is that even this season when he's not being pressed, he's given the ball away. Now, granted, the whole team is basically doing that. But I, yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a truth here kind of somewhere in between that you can do it in a way where you don't get a drop-off defensively. And we've seen that before, even with Kovacic in a double pivot, with Modric and or Kroos, and it's worked. Yeah. I I wouldn't be shocked if Zidane moves away from Casemiro. Um, that dis- despite the fact that Casemiro has been one of Zidane's biggest success stories, just because, just b- based on the people that Madrid have been linked to, it's possible that Madrid will need to start thinking outside the box sort of for lineup solutions and I think moving to a double pivot could be one and that's a place that Casemiro isn't particularly strong I think um he likes to play I mean but he needs help you know in certain circumstances but he generally likes to play by himself and uh I would be very open to seeing lineups without Casemiro in them where Madrid play uh two more holding midfielders or something um but I don't I don't totally agree that I mean I just think that Cosmere is another one of these players who um tends to play up to the kind of level that the team is at and then when the team is not doing well he looks particularly bad. So he always looks worse in losses and uh kind of better in impressive wins, I think. Sure. sure. Um and uh, so just that's one kind of cognitive bias that that I try to correct for when I'm watching Casemiro. Yeah, um, I think there. I think that's enti- it's entirely conceivable that that happens, Gabe. That maybe, and now you know with the noise that Llorente either may get loaned out or sold to somewhere like Sevilla. There's it's possible that he either keeps Casemiro as in his back pocket or he moves away from this traditional role where there's an anchor, a, a destroyer. In right. The team. <clears throat> um, he's also he was vocal again today, I believe. Uh, or or yesterday, sorry, uh, in in the press conference for this match, where he said, you know, there's going to be big changes, and he kind of seemed to allude to that there would be some formation changes too, and that there what we've come to see as the onset of gala in years past and the formation of years past with four three three may be just the thing of the past come come next season. So I, that to me tells me that he might be open to something like that. Yeah, that's what I was referring. I mean, like it yeah. just seemed clear that he's ready to to make changes that he sees that changes are needed. Um, and I don't think he would have come back to Madrid if he just wanted to run out that same 11. Yeah. I honestly don't. I think he's really looking for to, to kind of take the handle and, and begin to, to shift the squad in serious ways. So I think we're going to see a very big offseason for Madrid. <laughs> Matter anything to add to this discussion? 
No, no, I was, I was just going to make the point that you had about uh, Zidane speaking in the press uh, presser saying that there could be changes to the system as well. Right, okay. So the next question and the last question we'll take is from Varun. Varun says, Hi, I'm a new patron, Dr. Varun. I started following football like crazy because of Karim Benzema from 2011. Now I'm forever a Real Madrid supporter no matter what. My million-dollar question is even though I'm a big Benz fan, how come every manager be it Mourinho in his last season, Ancelotti, um, Didier, uh, oh, Deschamps, Deschamps, Rafa, Zidane, uh, Lopetegui, Solari, every manager rates Benzema so high like they aren't, like there aren't any world-class strikers. And most importantly, all of them love him. Genuinely, on, on the flip side, TV pundits, some fans abuse him like hell. Can you tell me why this difference of opinions? Um, it's a good question, although I think Deschamps probably maybe shouldn't be in that list <laughs> but i don't really don't think it's fair to put Deschamps on this <laughs> list considering uh, how he treated benzema but fine the question is essentially this to summarize why do we have so many angry people on social media <laughs> yeah, and why dude, do why fair. do so many managers trust him yeah i mean we've been talking about this forever um it's just that his it's because his contributions don't tend to be the uh classic kind of striker contributions he's much more of a yeah he's kind of he was the modern kind of striker before we really were seeing that as much and he built his entire game around aiding and and kind of creating space and um opportunities for his teammates and the and with basically growing next to cristiano ronaldo who you know, was this absolute force in putting the ball in the net. Um, Benzema learned how to be a incredible uh, kind of colleague, and 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 that's why all the managers like playing with him on their field because he makes other people around him better. And what I would add is that it's not only um, the managers that love him, but it's all his teammates. I mean, they all adore Kareem. They love playing with him because he is this facilitator. He is the one that opens up space. He is the one that connects the pieces and um, just brings his other teammates in. And you, I mean, you even saw it with Vinicius, like their their tandem, their chemistry, automatic was just it was incredible. And that's that's what he does. And that, his teammates love playing with him. I think in and this uh, this season has not been good for those people who don't like Benzema. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, I think I think we wrap it up here. I do want to give some patron shoutouts, unless I'm missing something. Anything else to add, gentlemen? No, no I, I think we're good. Okay, uh, Patreon.com/slash Managing Madrid. Pledge there, get access to bonus shows. Matt and I do a loan tracker every Tuesday where we uh, track the loanees, and uh, it's been really fun. And it's been, there's been a lot of great development uh, on Real Madrid's books elsewhere in other leagues with Odegaard, Raul, the Tomas, Atraf, etc. So get access to that show by pledging patreon.com slash manager Madrid. Also Gabe and I typically do the midweek shows and the, and the mailbags. That's only for patrons. Again, access patreon.com slash manager Madrid. Shout out to all of our $10 plus patrons who get a specific shout out on the podcast because they pledge $10 or more. And also quick housekeeping. It is official. It's been official for a couple of weeks now, but Patreon, or sorry, uh, in San Francisco, we're doing a live podcast where we're going to watch the Raya Vallecano game with the Pena there, and it's open to everybody. Um, show up. There's a Facebook event page where you can go and RSVP, so 
the Chieftain Irish Pub and Grill where we're meeting has a good idea of how many people are showing up. And then we're going to stay, watch the game, have drinks, record a post-game show. And uh, and then we're going to hit up New York at some point with Gabe. And also, I think Matt, yeah. Matt may be tagging you along for that one. Yep. So uh, stay tuned for that announcement. And uh, thank you for the support. Okay. Patron right. shoutouts. Awesome. Um, wow. The $10 patron shoutouts have also now I have to go to page two. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Great news. All right. Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Nick DeStefane, Adam Dorsey, Frederick Rantakiro, Leon Stavernakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, Nicole Gant, Sergio Monleon, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Sad Omar, Oluwapa Mimo Oladunjoy, Patrick Odaya Fadi, Christian Toff, Dan Berthy, Armin Gashi, Tarek Sphere, Tyler Dixon, Raghav Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kovat, Sujaiwani, Kenya Marista, San Francisco Bay Area, Brandon Stevens, Casper Moscala, Catherine Fagundo, Vinod Baratula, Zoran Bosnichich, Swayayala, Rafael Servia, Yihin Liang, Ahmed Almayahi, Umar Mahari, Amy L, Shabazz Sharapov, Fabian Moreno, Varun, Magnus Lutz, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, Solomon Ortiz, Brennan Powers, and Daniel Smith. Thank you so much. You guys are all amazing. Appreciate the support. Thank you. And uh, from myself, Kian Sabani, and Matt Wilson, and Gabe Lazar, thank you for joining the show with us. And Hala Mari. Hala Madrid. <laughs>